Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Folks, a phenomenon some may have recognized or noticed and others maybe not, that newsrooms across the nation are shrinking. A new nonprofit newsroom carves out a niche here in the NOLA market. And Tan Trung, WWL multimedia journalist, releases a new podcast about same. Tan, welcome to the show. No, good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Uh, a very interesting uh, podcast about... Um, you know, a phenomenon that's going on that some people might be paying attention to, others not so much. Uh, tell us about it. Well, look, I mean, true, truth be told, obviously, I'm, you know, we've, we've been in the news business. I've been in the news business for quite some time, and um, it's something of a personal interest of mine because it's my livelihood. But I think that especially today with the proliferation of digital media and social media, we have so many options of, where to get our news and information. And I think it's important for us to know what's happening within the news industry because how we're getting and where we're getting our news is heavily influenced by how that news is gathered. And I think if you look at all the newsrooms across the country, when it's, whether it's a newspaper, whether it's television, radio, anywhere, you know, everything is shrinking because the, it's all profit-driven. You know, obviously, news industries, if they're a profit-driven newsroom, they're looking to turn a profit because they have to answer their shareholders. And that's causing a lot of strain on the news industry because with budgets as they are, uh, you're looking to cut costs, and that usually means reducing people, so on and so forth. And so now you're looking at a thinner newsroom trying to gather the same amount of news that everybody expects us to have. And I think that you know what Verite News, which is the focus of this week's podcast, represents as sort of the shift in getting away from the profit-driven uh, kind of model that we've been used to. And I think that it represents this kind of interesting point for anybody that's really consuming news at this point. The two founders of Verite News, uh, known to a lot of people in the city in New Orleans, I, I know David mm -hmm. Francis, I know of Terry Bakke, not as well as, uh, uh, you know, I know David, but uh, – kind of two hallmarks in the news industry for a long time. Yeah, and they, they go back to the times Picayune in the what many would consider the good old days when you had, you know, seven days, um, you know, multiple editions, and there was heavy consumption of newspaper reading during that time. But obviously we are all used to now seeing newspapers move to digital uh, and we've seen the tremendous change at the Times-Picayune over the years. Now it's the New Orleans Advocate Times-Picayune, 
consolidation. And they kind of saw that transition when they had to reduce and cut back on physical printing, uh, the readership dropped, and then they had to figure out what the model was going to be for what eventually became NOLA.com, which is where most of us would probably turn the news uh, on any given morning. And I think they they kind of give us this kind of peek into where we are media-wise because you're looking at some of the folks who served in you know the, the traditional roles in what we'd call traditional media, newspaper, television, and radio, and now we're all trying to figure out where and how do we make news viable and available for people in the digital age. And, you know, what they came up with is Verite News. And I think that this right now is – I'm not sure. I don't think anybody in the news industry, in the media industry, knows where things are going. But this could represent a model that we're going to start seeing uh, for quite some time, I think. When he was describing both Terry and David, describing the structure of the organization, it, it kind of occurred to me what jumped out of my mind was the old, you know, the kiss adage, keep it simple, stupid, you know, because he right. kind of described these complex news organization of having deep structures, complicated debt structure, shareholder responsibility, and you know, they wanted to embark upon a nonprofit uh, newsroom and, and kind of have their capital in place before they they ever took a step. And it seems as though they were able to accomplish same. Yeah. And, and you know, for people who are unfamiliar with what Verite News is or who Verite News is, they're a nonprofit newsroom. They were established in 2022 uh, with some grants and foundation work from the Ford Foundation and some journalism projects. And you know, as Terry Bakke and David Francis, who are basically the, the head of Verite News, told me, they're not looking to do the news that we're used to. And that is, they're not looking to cover breaking news crime. They're not looking to cover sports. And any listener right now who's hearing this might think, well, that doesn't sound like much of a newsroom to me. And that could very well be just what Terry Bakke and David Francis are after. They're not looking to be reflective of what the news is right now. They're very specifically going after an audience and trying to cater their news to an audience that they feel is underserved, which is traditionally the black community, people of color. And they're trying to tell those stories that often most newsrooms would probably overlook. And it goes back to resources and the choices of how to spend those resources. Now, Uh, usually a traditional newsroom is going to try to get, and go after stories that have the highest amount of appeal to the highest number of people. Verite News is not going that route, and they don't have to worry about answering to shareholders because they're a nonprofit. They're specifically going after the stories that they feel that mainstream media or you know traditional media is not going after. So when when you take a look at what they're doing, um, I, I think it's very interesting in how they're approaching this, and I don't think it's just a niche. They call it a niche right now, but, you know, their strategy and how they're trying to get their news viewed and consumed is very interesting to me because it's not just on their website anymore. I think you called it at one point during the podcast doom scrolling, you know, about the looking yeah. and, and all the bad news. And and I think it was David that said that, you know, New Orleanians uh, like to criticize themselves, and it's true. Uh, we do. Uh, and very true. He said he wants to take on more of the cheerleader, right, to uh, talk about these personal interest success stories. 
Yeah, in a way, and and I, you know, you bring up a great point there, Newell, because the, you know, as they said, they're not looking to cover particular just singular crimes. They're if they're going to cover crime, they're going to take a more holistic approach to it to take a look at say carjackings. Why are there more young kids turning to carjackings rather than just focusing on? I'll just take for example the the carjacking from a couple of years ago, uh, in which the the lady was carjacked from her car and then had her arm ripped off and eventually died. They're not necessarily interested in covering that particular crime, but they'll take a look at some of the root causes of what is driving certain individuals, certain youth to commit crimes like that. Um, And when we're talking about doom scrolling, you know, just go through your social media feed. Um, We tend to kind of go to those places, whether it be crime or just those sensational stories to take a look and you know to be fair that's very engaging because often these headlines are written for us to kind of go there verite news is not going to cater to that audience and that, that they're very specific about that um, but what we're seeing and how they're presenting their news i wouldn't say it's necessarily feel-good stories but they're trying to find a way to present news that would ultimately be solutions based whether it be housing whether it be poverty they're trying to give certain communities a a voice or a vision to kind of figure out where they are and how they can improve their situation in life and not necessarily just be, you know, the the blood and guts of of what New Orleans is sometimes. And as David said, you know, we, we tend to love the city. We love our city, but we also tend to talk very bad about it. And rightly so. Sometimes there, there are some true issues that the city of New Orleans is lacking and we need to address those. And, you know, New Orleanians are very colorful when they're talking about their own city, for sure. There was one thing that struck me as odd, that, and I don't remember who said it, but it was along the lines of what you're talking about relative to poverty and other issues. And they quickly identified those uh, uh, both racial and ethnic groups that fall within that kind of unrepresented person in the context of poverty, being black, Hispanic, Asian, LGBTQ community, and otherwise. And it kind of struck me as odd because when you look at the breakdown of poverty in this country, because they're more whites, they're more whites that that are impoverished. Um, And it's funny how we we just kind of run to the stereotypical uh, categorization as it relates to poverty and other issues like that. It just kind of struck me as, as a little bit odd because I don't know that poverty and some of these other issues are unique to any race or ethnic group. You know, you bring up a good point, Newell. And I think the the term that I, that I've heard most sometimes is when, you know, minorities or people of color are, kind of talked about in, in news, they, they're framed in a deficit, and they call it deficit framing. And, I, you know, I, I will leave that up to the listener or the audience to figure out whether that, that's a situation that is valid. But for Verite, they're very much trying to represent what they see is an inequity in general media. Um, they tend to see newsrooms that are run by non-minorities, white, uh, white officials and white executives that don't necessarily often think about the communities that they're reporting on, or they think about it in a certain way. And that could be when, you know, just to kind of on, on the other side of the coin, if you're a news executive, sometimes you're looking at the black community as a source of news uh, only in the frame of crime or only through the lens of crime. 
Um, if you're looking at the Hispanic community, sometimes you view the Hispanic community only through the lens of immigration, um, so on and so forth. So what I think Verite is trying to do is be a counter to what they see is something that's happening in mainstream media. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what I think is more fascinating for me as somebody within the media industry, the news industry, whatever you'd like to call it, is how Verite is trying to position itself now and its messaging. Because even if, and I mentioned this in the podcast, even if you don't believe in this idea of diversity or even if you don't believe in this concept that traditional newsrooms won't treat certain communities in a fair way or in a certain way, um, you might come across some of Verite's content because now they're partnering with mainstream media, specifically within New Orleans with Fox 8 News. So Fox 8 has a segment sometimes on their morning show where they'll invite on a reporter from Verite to talk about some of the content and some of the news reporting that they're doing on their website. So in a way, what I find interesting is that even if you don't believe in the mission of Verite or you don't believe in any of this ideals, you may come across its content because TV, much like radio sometimes, is sort of a passive way of getting your content. It's not like you're going online to seek out your content, which many people are doing. When you're sitting in front of the television, if you're listening to the radio, the content that comes across to you sometimes is something that you may not be interested in, but you might get exposed to. And what I think that partnership for Fox 8 and Barrett, between Fox 8 and Verite represents is sort of this new mosaic of where media is, where because you have these resource-strapped newsrooms, you're now seeing these partnerships that everybody's trying to kind of gain because they're trying to improve and expand their coverage. And I think that, that to me, is a fascinating aspect of, of where things are media-wise. Do you think it's about expanding coverage, or is it about the desire for more quality content? Um, you know, in in a bunch of different subcategories, right? Um, whether it be mainstream or personal interest stories or, or whatever it may be, because uh, it what strikes me, and 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 I know the history of David Francis, and I know that you know he is very much in tune to quality content. Uh, quality content is what is what uh, you know uh, uh, translates into success, whether you're Verite as a nonprofit newsroom or if you're a, pro- a for-profit newsroom. Um, I do agree that that for-profit model um, is challenged because they got to move the needle in a number of different ways as opposed to a, a nonprofit. Yeah, I, I think it could be both, Newell. I, I think that it, it could be part, you know, part of that partnership, but not just speaking to Fox 8 and Verite, but a partnership between media companies and media outlets right now. I think, A, it can certainly serve to expand your coverage or give the, this veneer of look at the amount of, you know, breadth and news uh, and area of news that we're covering. But it also could also bolster what what type of journalism that you're doing, what type of content that you're covering. And at the end of the day, I'd like to think that anybody in journalism right now cares about quality. And, and I think that ultimately, if you do quality journalism, that will hopefully you know get people's eyeballs and, and ears uh, to listen and watch your, your stories. Uh, so I think it could be both. But, you know, the cynical side of me, too, and this is what happens when you're in, in the news business for, for too long, like I have been, um, I think that 
right now, every company, anybody in the media game in the news industry uh, is trying to stay relevant. And being relevant, you have to kind of be everywhere. And when you're looking at the competition that we're seeing on YouTube, you can just sit at home and just bring up anything on YouTube, and it's a ton of content there. And what we're trying to do now is, you know, radio stations, as newspapers and TV stations as well, is compete with something that is vast, which is the Internet. And I think that at this point, anybody that's in news is trying to kind of like diversify what they're presenting and hopefully do it in a way that is viewed as quality as well. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a number of different ways to reach and engage the audience. Um, it, but I, like you, believe that it all become, it all comes back to the quality of the content. I mean, the identification of what it is that the consumer has a desire in consuming and making sure that you're delivering that quality product uh to them, I, I, I happen to think that uh, Verite News is going to be successful. People ask me how you spell that on the text line, V-E-R-I-T-E. I think <laughs> it means truth, right, in Latin? It does. Um, it does. Uh, you know, and um, so, um, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I think I think they will be successful because I always think that there's space. I mean, it it's part, of, I believe, of the success of your podcast, right? I mean, you're you're telling special interest stories in a quality way that are meaningful that we we probably wouldn't ordinarily consume in other ways. I mean, just take this story, for example. I mean. In many respects, we're, we're covering what is potentially what could be characterized as one of our competitors, right? But yeah, there's a special absolutely. there's an interest there's an interest to this there's a there's a nuance to this that's important. And look, and you know, truth be told, like I'm I you know I'm trying to keep the the podcast as relevant as anybody else is in the news industry or the media industry, uh, trying to keep their content relevant as well. And taking a page out of Verite's book, for me to cover what every other TV station in New Orleans is covering or any other radio station is covering in New Orleans wouldn't make sense. So, you know, what we're trying to do and what, you know, WWO Radio is trying to do with the podcast is offer something that is engaging but also unique. And ultimately, and again, it goes back to quality. If it's stuck, you know, if it stinks, then nobody's going to listen. So I, I think the right. emphasis, yeah. whether you're a for-profit or non-profit newsroom, um, you have to make something that's quality. And I think that because there is so many, there are so many options for people to turn to nowadays, when you present something, it just has to be of good quality, enough for them to understand who you are and hopefully return to you to keep consuming the next story. And that's something that I always worry about is what's my next story going to be? Absolutely. Tom, where where can they find this uh, 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 podcast? They can find the Town Report, and that's spelled T-H-A-N-H. That's the Town Report. That's available anywhere that people get their podcasts. That's on Apple, Spotify, so on and so forth, on the Odyssey app as well. And the story is also on the WWL Radio website now. They can just click on that and take a listen. Another great job, as always. Thank you so much for joining us, Tom Trung, WWL Multimedia Journalist. Have a great weekend, Tom. Neil, thank you. Take care. That's Tom Trung, folks. We'll be right back, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. Um... We've talked about EVs. We talked about a number of topics this week. Uh, we had a wide and diverse uh, array of topics that we were able to talk about. I'm going to follow up on a couple of the stories that we did talk about. So Mercedes-Benz comes out uh, the other day, and they say that they will be making petrol cars well into the 2030s, and it watered down its targets for electric vehicles. Ola can Kalinius, the group's chief executive, said that the era when EVs would cost the same as an equivalent gas car was still many years away. Mercedes had uh, previously promised that its whole car lineup would be battery powered by 2030 and have since walked back on that aspiration or ambition uh, because of the challenges that they're having from a cost perspective. There are a couple of things uh, about this. He spent a lot of time in his presser talking about pricing and how this was going to work, understanding that they're going to have a challenge. And we talked about this the other day with Guy Williams, that Chinese EVs are the ones that are going to try and be really not only kind of uh, not first to market, but first to market in a big way with one of the cheapest vehicles out there. And it's going to be interesting to see how the auto industry, not only here in this country, but he's concerned about how it's going to uh, be handled in Europe as well, as to how they can block Chinese imports from really coming in and consuming the major part of EV market there. He also recognizes that there will be political consequences Uh, if the European auto sector as well as the U.S. auto sector go down similar paths in protecting themselves in this way. The second thing that he talked about that was very interesting is that he talks about uh, plug-in hybrids as being maybe that would be the more appropriate transition to EV going into the 2030s. And uh, he says that uh, climate fundamentalists are still driving the policy, but hybrids uh, should be one that's under consideration. And they don't feel like that there's, they're getting enough consideration in that regard in making uh, that transition. This kind of rocked the world in Europe when, it, when this was uh, talked about. 
this comes from, you know, Mercedes uh, that has, uh, according to all of the stuff that I read, a really healthy balance sheet. Um, and they have their, their finger on the pulse of what the consumers are looking for. And um, they really overstated their ambitions, uh, where they were going to be and why in in that front. Because uh, obviously what has happened is you just haven't seen the consumer uh, buy-in uh, there either. Um, and so it will be interesting to see what occurs uh, there. Let's go to David in Atlanta. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sheriff. Um, How you feeling, I talk David? About China trade. If you give me another moment later, but um, several weeks ago, you had a caller discussing, comparing, and contrasting the 2016 Democratic protests of the presidential election and the 2020 Trump Republican protests. And Sheriff, if I may, I think any comparison is really not fair. And let me give you three reasons why. Hillary conceded the election the next day, the Wednesday after the Tuesday national. She conceded. Trump still hasn't conceded. Another point, Trump went to court over 60 times, and I believe except for one technical case, lost every time. Um, That didn't happen with Hillary. Uh, I don't know of any court challenges that she made. Furthermore, as a result of the Democrats contesting the election, nobody was killed or even nobody even lost a fingernail. In the case of Trump, you can't say that. So comparing the actions of the Democrats to the Republicans, I think, is... It's just not a fair comparison. Now, may I say something about China trade? Trump loves mm-hmm. to talk about $30 billion he sent to the farmers because the farmers were in trouble. Well, yeah, the farmers were in trouble, and let me tell you why. Trump started a trade war with China. So China retaliated. Nobody has ever won a trade war. Now, China retaliated by stop buying, for the most part, American farm products. They were buying products elsewhere. So the farmers were hurting. Trump created the problem that cost the American taxpayers $30 billion. Uh, Because, and by the way, Paul Crudman wrote in the New York Times recently, Trump's latest policy, if he's reelected, is to start a trade war. He wants a minimum of 10% tariffs on all imports. That's a tax on the American people and businesses. Paul Crudman wrote that would cost the economy about, I don't know, 2 or $3 trillion dollars and 700 or so thousand jobs being lost. This country needs to educate itself and work smarter. Milton Friedman said, when a conservative economist, I believe one of Ronald Reagan's favorite economists, a Nobel Prize winner, if we don't buy their stuff, they can't buy our stuff. Like China buys Boeing aircraft. So uh, that's good for us, but they couldn't afford it if we didn't buy their stuff. So free trade works, and I believe we can compete against foreign cheap labor by automating, but we need to educate ourselves. You know, even with artificial intelligence, and I've been investing in that and making a bundle, uh, but with artificial intelligence, true, some people lose their jobs, but more jobs are created, but you have to have an education. You have to have a skill, and those jobs are well-paying jobs. And I'll tell you something else I read recently. When Trump was president, he blocked a lot of immigrants coming into this country, maybe for, I don't know, ethnic or racial reasons. And this country desperately needs brain power, uh, like to compete uh, with uh, semiconductor manufacturing, which is vital to our military and many industries. So when we stop people coming into this country with vital job skills that business is begging for, it hurts, the, it hurts you and me because 
that, that's one reason that causes inf- inflation. And by the way, that Trump tariff will cause inflation because it's a tax. So, David, so David let, me ask, you, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question as it relates to immigration. You would be in favor Please. of credentialing? Well, I, I'm, I'm, look, you and I probably don't have much to disagree with on in, uh, immigration. But, and, but since you brought it up, as well, I it's a simple it, question. Biden has offered the Republicans would, everything they wanted, but they want the issue. And, you know, no, that's not, that's not, that's not, first off, that, that, that's not true. That's not true. Well, we but can disagree. Let, so I, I'll ask the question again. Are you in favor of credentialing? I agree with you. We, we should be seeking out the folks that we truly need to come into this country first and then all others. I agree. Um, so you would you would you would be in favor of credentialing then? Right. We, there, there are probably five or six million dollars, okay. according to I mean, so, five or six so, million jobs. According to so the, let me uh, let me ask the let, let me ask the question about can't find the qualified workers. Let me ask you the, the question way, about I, trade. Wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you a question about trade because I, I agree with trade. what you just. I just I agree with what you said about tariffs. Tariffs are, are crazy. We're taxing yes. ourselves. Exactly. You you're not saying that Republicans are the only ones that are guilty of this. No. No, like Sherrod okay. Brown, I know. Uh, no, I'm, but I'll tell you something. I'm no fan of George W. Bush, and I'm sorry it failed. When he was president, he wanted to have a Western Hemisphere free trade zone. I think that would have been wonderful. Well, Maybe so. But, yeah, and, uh, you know, the problem is we, we, we've, got the, you know, we've got the same, and I just talked about this with electric vehicles. I mean, the policy that we've tried to put in place, we've, we've placed ourselves in a predicament. It's not good policy. It, it provides not a long enough period of time for transition. We'll bankrupt some of our domestic automakers if we keep insisting on this, and already the Biden administration is, is retreating because they recognize they're creating a much healthier landscape for Chinese imports than for our own product. And that can't be. There's got to be a delicate balance. You would agree it's delicate. I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's, and, and, it's a slippery yeah, slope mean, on a good day, but you have to be you have to be a, a lot more intellectual in your approach and as as opposed to kind of soundbiteish. And that's where I find both the Republicans and the Democrats fail miserably miserably here. Uh, in that front, and you brought out some good points that I agree with. I mean, and Sheriff, we can't continue you know, to go down this heavily, path. Heavily subsidizing the electric car manufacturer. Europe buys a lot of electric vehicles from China, but the, the Chinese companies wouldn't be making any money if it were not for the heavy subsidies. Now, sure. I think we need to give because we have to go to well, electric it, vehicles. It's not really a. It's not really a subsidy. Electric motors are more efficient, so I think this government makes should make a, a major role in subsidizing electric vehicles because we need to reduce the causes of human-caused climate change by going to electric vehicles. Electric vehicle uh, is much more efficient than I, a... I'm not even engine. arguing that, but there's got to be... There's got to be a transition. We're not set up in this country for electric vehicles. And we're not even, we're not even permitting rare earth mineral mining in this country. I mean, so... We, we speak with forked tongue. Uh, we want it, but we don't want the downside of electric vehicles, which is rare earth mineral mining. We, you know, we're not even issuing permits there. We won't issue permits on federal land. It's like, go figure. We want everybody else to do the dirty work and for us to be the beneficiary of, 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 of the clean. 
that that's forked tongue approach, and that's that's where we are today with with the Democrats, and it doesn't make any sense at all. Thank you so much, David, for the call. Good to hear from you from Atlanta again. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the Peyton Place drama continues relative to the relationship between District Attorney Fannie Willis over in Fulton County, Georgia, and Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade. Now, they both admit that they had a romantic relationship that started in 2022. And the whole thing is about whether or not they were romantically involved prior to... uh, the district attorney, starting with the case against Donald Trump and hiring Mr. Wade as the special prosecutor. Because if they're hiring a Mr. Wade in the midst of their romantic relationship, kind of changes things as it relates to um, appearances, so to speak, and whether or not that's going to be a problem here. Well, they went out of their way to make very clear There was nothing going on between the two in 2021. In fact, I think uh, the DA said we didn't really talk. We were just friends. We didn't, you know, anything. And our relationship started after all of this in 2022. Well, it turns out that they subpoenaed the cell phone records of both Ms. Willis and, and Mr. Wade. And it reveals the following. In the first 11 months of 2021, there were over 2,000 voice calls. 2,000 voice calls and 12,000 text messages during the first 11 months where they were just friends. They they weren't uh, romantically involved at all during that period of time. Through the triangulation of the signal of Mr. Wade's cell phone, it turns out that uh, there was a minimum of 35 times before his hiring in November 2021 that he connected to a cell tower right next to or near Miss Willis's residence in Hapeville, Georgia. So it looks as though uh, there's mounting evidence that is going to be uh, uh, had here that's going to have to be considered by the judge as to whether or not um, they're lying. So, for example, when you think about in that 11-month period of time, uh, 2,000 voice calls, that means they're talking over six times a day. 
uh, during that that period of time. Not to, in, not even adding in in the twelve thousand text messages. So this whole issue stems from a motion that one of the lawyers for one of the co-defendants to Trump, a guy by the name of Michael Roman, who said that he ultimately learned of the Willis-Wade relationship through multiple sources, and they begun to dig into this. This was never publicly revealed by either Mr. Wade nor uh, Miss Willis. And they were bring, able to bring to the forefront that they were traveling together uh, and that there was a romantic relationship, and then this really has turned into a sideshow, uh, and the situation really grew in, in, into really a mini-trial of Miss Willis and Mr. Wade as it relates to their credibility um, of their involvement in this case. And they've been put on the defense uh, because of their relationship. Now it's going to be over the dates. It's going to be interesting to see how we explain away uh more than six phone calls a day in the first 11 months when they were just casual friends, as uh, one of them put them. They hardly talked to one another. They hardly visited one another. Uh, And uh, it seems as though the cell phone records are proving otherwise. We'll be right back after the break. Uh, Scoot's up next. We'll visit with him. Stay with us. Welcome, welcome back, folks. The uh, House approved HB six on a vote of seventy-one to twenty-nine, which would add nitrogen gas hypoxia and electrocution to the state's approved execution uh, methods, and it now heads to the Senate. There were about, uh, according to NOLA.com, about ninety minutes of deliberation. Um, and there were questions about the legality and the ethics of restarting some of the executions there. This bill will head to the Senate now. I think the last time that we actually executed someone was back in 2010. Um, and actually that individual, that defendant, I think um, my memory serves me correct, um, requested it, volunteered. Uh, yeah, it's actually they address it in the article. I'm just looking at it because it's just breaking news. And that was Gerald Bordelon. 57 death row prisoners uh, on death row at the present time. The governor talks about um, that, you know, there's a compact and a contract with the victims uh, and um, about uh, wanting to seek uh, justice, um, of their their loved ones being victims of being killed by these uh, individuals. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, there's a, a lot that you can do on a state level. There's a lot that you can't do because of federal constitutional law and how this balance works out. I suspect that this is going to be tied up in the courts for a long, long time, but we'll see. Maybe not. Scoot joins us on Free For All Friday. Yeah, and I think what you what were we... just talking about is not going to be the only thing tied up in courts for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is anything ever going to come to an end? I mean, is there ever going to be a conclusion? It's like there's going to be trials and there's going to be appeal after appeal after appeal. Anyway, the, I'm one, the one thing I don't like about that, Bill, is that yeah. they you, you cannot talk about the company that's providing any yeah. of the stuff in order for the execution uh, and it's a cancel culture protection is what they're doing and if it starts here there's going to be a lot yeah. more of that wait till you but hear in an upcoming book wait till you hear what uh, joe biden says is the uh, is the reason for a good marriage it's pretty basic we'll talk about that coming up <laughs> all right excuse <laughs> have a good week picture, picture that <laughs> 
stay tuned. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.